0: going on everybody. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Fraternity. I'm your little brother Danny and I'm here with my big brother Sean. How's everybody doing tonight? How's everybody doing tonight? Hope you're doing well. We're doing well over here at Fraternity. We're glad you tuned into the show. Whether you be a longtime fan or tuning in for the first time, we just want to welcome you. Fraternity is where my brother and I Celebrate horror movies, new and old. And my brother is a longtime horror movie fan, and me, not so much. I'm a little new to the genre, but I'm giving you my fresh perspectives on everything that we see. Now, Sean, why don't you introduce this week's movie for us? This week,
1: we are covering Larry Cohen's The Stuff. And was this a first time watch for you, Danny? Yeah, this is a first time watch. Had never heard of the film. So yeah, this is all new to me. I really don't have that much to say about the stuff. I guess I'll start out by saying that I respect the hell out of Larry Cohen. I've owned a great deal of his movies on VHS, as well as now on Blu-ray. I definitely think Larry Cohen's films belong in any self-respecting horror movie collector's collection. But if I'm being entirely honest... Larry Cohen films have always been more miss than hit with me. No one can deny that Larry Cohen films have a certain style. They're very pointed in their political and social commentary, heavy on satire, while being a little light on the actual horror, but still fitting squarely in the B-movie realm. They're like sophisticated trauma films. I think that's the best way to describe them. They're B-movie horror films with strange plots and decent special effects, but they're highbrow films. And I guess I'm just a lowbrow kind of guy when it comes to cult movies. Another issue for me when it comes to Larry Cohen films is I'm just not a big fan of Michael Moriarty. He simply doesn't do it for me. Although I will say I think he's great in the stuff. And I don't want to sound too negative. I do think Larry Cohen is a great writer. I think he's a better writer than a director, and I tend to like the movies he wrote but didn't direct a lot better than his double-duty efforts. But again, I'm not trying to shit all over the stuff, so why don't we get right into it and discuss this movie? Yeah, whether you be sophisticated or not, let's dive
0: into Larry Cohen's The Stuff. But before that, I just wanted to say you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at fraternity. That's at fraternity. Go over there, like our tweets, retweet us, keep up to date with everything we're doing over there. That's where you get the most updates out of what fraternity has in store for you. We have an email, fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. You can send us questions, comments, anything at all. We'd love to hear you. And we have a YouTube channel. Go over to YouTube, type in fraternity in the search bar, and our channel will come up. So go over there, give us some likes, subscribe to us. It would really help us out. And we upload previous episodes of the show over there on YouTube every Wednesday. So every Wednesday, those previous episodes go up and they have a bit of a visual treat to them. You just have to go over there and see what I'm talking about. And if you like what you hear, you're a fan of the show, give us a rating on the podcast platform of choice. It would really help us out as we're trying to grow and expand our reach in the horror community and become the number one horror podcast out there on the internet, and we need your help to do it.
1: So the movie starts out in some quarry where one of the workers notices a bubbling white substance coming up from underneath the ground, and he decides to taste some of this stuff. So first of all, really? (laughs) What do you think? This is snow? It's not snow. Tastes good. Yeah, no one (laughs) taught him not to eat stuff off the sidewalk, apparently. (laughs) This movie is going to have a couple of threads that will eventually all come together, but the important thing is they all have to do with the stuff. And what we gather from The Quarry Worker is that the stuff is sweet and clearly addictive because this finger-licking clown sure can't seem to get enough of it. And this is just a guess, but I think it's sort of like ice cream. It's sold in ice cream-like containers, and it's stored in refrigerators. But not all of the time, so it it's a little confusing, right? <laughs> well,
0: the stuff it can be enjoyed in a multitude of ways, you know? It can be eaten hot or cold, it doesn't melt, as they say, but it seems to have the consistency of yogurt, so yeah, I like to think of the stuff as some sort of a really sweet and delicious
1: yogurt. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. It can even clearly be enjoyed right off of the pavement, Danny. (laughs) We get a scene with this kid named Jason going to the kitchen for a late night snack, and he opens the fridge and discovers the stuff moving independently around the fridge. He gets interrupted by his asshole dad and smacked on the ass and sent back to bed where he's left to wonder, what the hell was going on with that damn stuff, Danny? Did a little
0: midnight snack really call for an aggressive spanking like that? I mean, come on. Jason wasn't doing anything bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, if there's one thing we're going to see more of, it's just what a couple of douchebags Jason's parents are. Even pre-stuff? Or are they pre-stuff here? Or are they already tainted? <laughs> I, think, I think they're mid-stuff. They're like almost stuffies. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we find out that The ice cream industrial complex is none too thrilled with the stuff, and the big wigs have all gathered on a boat and are putting their trust in an industrial saboteur named Mo Rutherford, played by Michael Moriarty. Well,
0: you said you don't like Michael Moriarty, but this is the only thing I've seen him in, but I absolutely love Mo Rutherford in this film, and I love his introduction here. He's instantly likable, but he's also a little bit untrustworthy. I'm a fan. But again, this is the only thing I've seen him in.
1: I guess my issue with him is more often than not, he just doesn't come across as the lead to me. But I, right. I will admit he does a good job here. Moe Rutherford is a very good character. Well, even in this, I feel like he gets a little
0: sidelined towards the end.
1: Right, yeah, and all of Larry Cohen's films kind of have that ensemble cast feel to begin with, but Michael Moriarty is always in there somewhere with a spotlight darn near on him. (laughs) So he gets on the boat, smooth-talks the suits, and demonstrates his skills. He takes his advance and goes off to do some industrial saboteuring. And meanwhile, we see that Jason is developing a healthy suspicion of the stuff as he smacks the pint out of his brother's hand as he eats it, but his family is not heeding his warnings. Low in calories, good tasting,
0: and it doesn't even spot, and he just doesn't like it. Why do you sound like you're in a commercial?
1: <laughs> so at the same time, Moe has a team trying to figure out through testing what the stuff is, and that endeavor is proving fruitless and mo asserts that if they're gonna figure out the formula for the stuff they're gonna have to steal it you know one great thing about the stuff is throughout the film we get to see the marketing campaign and ads running for the stuff it's really fun stuff (laughs) yeah
0: it's cool and it serves as a bit of world building here we feel that the stuff is a real product that we could go and buy on the shelf And it just has, you know, an eye-catching design with the pint and the colors that they use and the font. Yeah, we cut to
1: a shoot for one of these ads. And I'm not in marketing, but I find no flaw in using beautiful women in bathing suits, high heels, and fur coats, taking big spoonfuls of white cream to sell the stuff. (laughs) I wouldn't mind a pint of it myself. We see Mo is there. And he ends up shutting this shoot down, and he swoons the director, Nicole. He poses as this oil tycoon who wants her to head his public relations due to the great job she's done at marketing the stuff. In reality, though, he's scooping her up as his mole within the stuff company. I did read that this movie went through significant cuts once it was finished, and I think that quite a bit between Mo and Nicole gets lost. In that, because there's a definite gap and loss of information between now and the next time we're gonna see them.
0: Yeah, definitely, you can just tell there's stuff missing because pretty much the next time we see them, they've more or less become an item together, and it's just like, what? How, like, how did this happen? And we really don't see anything that happens between right them.
1: Before that, we visit Jason in a grocery store. And we can see just how much of the stuff is figuratively flying off of these shelves. But stuff is about to literally be flying off the shelves as Jason embarks on one of the greatest grocery store freakouts ever. (laughs) It's your favorite. A
0: kid destroying stuff.
1: (laughs) Wreaking havoc. Right? Is, Is this not every child's fantasy at one point or another? It's still my fantasy. (laughs) right mine too everyone wanted to be on supermarket sweep (laughs) or partake in the nickelodeon super toy run but the real child in all of us just wants to fuck shit up (laughs) (laughs) i like how it starts with jason smacking a cup of the stuff out of this young boy's hands before he hilariously busts his ass on this display of hamburger helper That looked unplanned, but if it was planned, it looked really well acted. (laughs) (laughs) He then heads over to the dairy section and starts tossing the stuff to the floor by the armful. And this little madman takes a broom and starts knocking down this long row of the stuff on display. And I love that there's these two workers who just finished putting together an end cap display of the stuff. And they're looking at all this destruction and the one guy's like,
0: oh, shit. Yeah, they just finished their pyramid of of made-out-of-the-stuff pints, and it's just like, it all comes tumbling down right in front
1: of them. They did very little to stop him, though. (laughs) (laughs) Things then take an even more violent turn, though, when Jason heads to Frozen, and he literally smashes the glass freezer door. Jason's strong. No shit. And it's here where security finally wrestles him to the ground amidst all this wasted stuff all over the market next we see mo visit a member of the fda a guy named vickers and mo is posing as a journalist to talk to him and vickers is played by danny aiello and he actually starred in the protector with jackie chan this same year and the director of the protector was james Glickenhouse who was the executive producer of Maniac Cop and Frank Henenlotter's 90s Basket K sequels. And The Protector is the most violent Jackie Chan film there is and ever will be. You even hear Jackie curse, Danny. Wow, that's pretty (laughs) (laughs) R-rated. Right? So if you're a horror fan and Jackie Chan fan like me, it's definitely an oddity worth seeing if you haven't. And I'll never pass up the opportunity to link Jackie Chan and horror. <laughs> Not that I think there's many more opportunities coming. <laughs> right on. We love Jackie Chan here
0: on Fraternity.
1: So, anyway, Mo is pressing Vickers for information, all while Vickers seems very sketched out by his own dog, <laughs> his stuff loving dog. <laughs> I love it. I even feed it to Ben here. (laughs) Yeah, Mo is curious. He's like, why is your owner afraid of you? And we find out why. Because after Mo leaves, the dog winds up attacking Vickers. Almost as if it's mad that he gave up so much information to Mo. Vickers tries calling for help, but the dog is clever enough to pull the phone cord out of the wall and Vickers winds up on the floor and pinned up against the wall when we see the mouth of the dog unnaturally open and a bunch of the stuff pours out and attacks Vickers. It's the first true bit of strangeness we've got since we saw the stuff move in the fridge. You know, I feel like we're thrown in halfway into
0: this kill, and it's so abrupt. And we talked about, like, you said there was stuff cut, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff cut just seemingly random. Like, We really don't get to enjoy this dog kill here. It just kind of, we kind of see the tail end of it and that's it.
1: Right, but not the money shots. And yeah, and we missed the start. Yeah, it's very weird. Speaking of weird, Mo can't help but notice a local stuff shop being extremely busy at three in the morning. And even weirder yet, Mo winds up in some small town that looks dead. The few people that are there are acting really strange. This is also where we meet Chocolate Chip Charlie, Danny. (laughs) Well, he sure as hell ain't the Kentucky Colonel. (laughs) It was mentioned earlier that the company that owns the stuff had bought Chocolate Chip Charlie's company right out from underneath him and left him with nothing but his iron fists, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it turns out that after Chocolate Chip Charlie's relatives sold him out, they disappeared but they left this town as a forwarding address, and Mo and Charlie head to the post office and find out all of the mail going into this deserted town is getting rerouted to Georgia. It's pretty obvious, too, that something isn't quite right with the mail clerk as he excuses himself and walks into the back room. Was that a burp? <laughs> <laughs> it was a stuffed burp, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was, it was nasty. <laughs> Yeah, Mo and Charlie discuss kidnapping this guy when they overhear groans in the back room. And we get some cool effect shots of this huge amount of the stuff moving across the floor and climbing up the wall and escaping through a window. And Mo and Charlie break through the door and they find the mail clerk dead on the floor with this mouth that's stretched wide open. I like this
0: little horror sequence here. You know, you've got our two leads right here coming to this small little unknown town and it's got this uneasy mysterious atmosphere. You've got that great effect with the mail clerk's mouth, but I feel like the horror is just immediately deflated and they just run away and get on that boat. It never reaches the heights that it should.
1: Yeah, agreed. And another issue I have is as closely that I was paying attention to this movie, I didn't know why they were in this town
0: yeah again it there's there seems to be a lot of like plot stuff even left out too.
1: I think what I put together is this must have been something on the paperwork that Vickers gave to Mo, but again, it's not explained. it's just kind of random,
0: right. We do see Mo punch that guy's jaw off, which is pretty cool,
1: <laughs> and we see chocolate chip Charlie punch a hole through a guy, and when the guy hits the ground, there's just stuff spurting out, <laughs> yeah, so when
0: people who eat the stuff are injured they're basically hollowed out but they have the stuff inside of them so they just kind of crumble away and then the stuff starts to erupt from them (laughs) yeah
1: good uh throat gurgling when that guy got his jaw punched off (laughs) pretty nasty yeah there's some decent gore
0: here but like i said the the scene never reaches the heights that it should
1: is it gore though because it's just cream flying out of these people
0: (laughs) I love the sight of blood, but this is disgusting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so clearly there's quite the conspiracy going on here. The stuff wasn't so cut and dry to begin with, but now who the fuck knows, right? (laughs) It's clearly nefarious, though, as we later see some stuff vendors attempt to orchestrate a hit-and-run murder of poor Mo. And like I said, this movie can be a bit frustrating because it can be so confusing. Because I had no idea who this guy that Mo visits next is. This guy named Mr. Fletcher, who winds up being the head of the stuff company.
0: Yeah, I couldn't really follow this scene either. And I feel like the movie moves at such a breakneck speed. It's really easy just to get lost. And we're not completely lost. Like, we get the general vibe what the movie is going for. But a lot of the details just get lost in the way. And it's just weird, you know? It's such a... It's such an oddly paced movie. Like it's fast,
1: but it's not in a good way. <laughs> so Danny, do you know why they call Mo Rutherford Mo? Why? Because every time somebody gives him money, he wants Mo. <laughs> well, I could kill you. Now, I know we're discussing <laughs> I know we're discussing gaps in this movie, but I don't think I want Mo <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I don't want Mo either. But I'm just saying it, it,
0: <laughs> the complete package is lacking
1: yeah like i said what i had read was larry cohen he actually called them significant trims and yeah the movie does move at a breakneck pace but it's at the expense of the audience knowing what the hell is going on right so Moe and this guy mr fletcher have this brief discussion on the stuff with no pretenses and fletcher also makes an offer to mo to get him to go away quietly but we then see Moe coming clean to Nicole as she's distraught over learning the truth about the stuff, and she's regretting her marketing role in popularizing it. Apparently she even named it Danny. And then Mo takes Nicole to his lab, where one of his scientists shows him a newspaper article about Jason and his spectacular supermarket freakout. And Moe is now intent on meeting this young man. We then get this great commercial for the stuff that features people in gym clothes dancing around alleys with stuffed graffiti all over the walls. They're dancing on a basketball court with basketballs. (laughs) (laughs) Enough is never enough.
0: (laughs) Yeah, delightfully 80s commercials here.
1: Oh yeah. And we see that Jason has been grounded in his room, and his family is now acting pretty strange. They've thrown out all of their food. They've gone strictly stuffed, Danny.
0: Yeah, Jason's mom's already lost five pounds.
1: (laughs) His dad attempts to give him some stuff and goes on about benign bacteria and living organisms and food. There's living things in our bread. It's called yeast. (laughs) Yeah, I love
0: Jason's family just coming off as super creepy in this film, especially his dad. Just, we eat living things all the time, Jason. It's good for us kills the bad things in our body
1: (laughs) we don't get tired now that we're on a healthy diet (laughs) but jason the smart kid that he is he doesn't buy this shit for one minute and his brother stops him from running away and they give him some stuff and send him to his room and jason winds up dumping the stuff in the toilet and flushing it as we can see it attempting to crawl out of this predicament (laughs) it's sticking to the toilet trying to climb out and jason flushes it away. I really love the shot of the stuff-filled fridge and the mom, dad, and brother just staring at it lovingly. (laughs) (laughs) But Jason winds up filling this tub of the stuff with shaving cream, and he eats that in front of his family to convince them that he's become one with them and the stuff. And he manages to fool them long enough to escape the house, but his family gives chase. Fortunately for Jason... Mo arrives just in time for Jason to hop in his car and escape. And Jason pukes in the back of Mo's car and apologizes, explaining he just had to eat shaving cream.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder how bad shaving cream is to ingest. (laughs) Can't be worse than the stuff, though. I was
1: definitely cringing. Danny, everyone has to eat shaving cream once in a while. (laughs) So, our trio of Jason, Mo, and Nicole travels by private jet to Midland, Georgia. And Moe leaves Jason the rest in the jet with the pilot as he and Nicole go to get a private tour of the distribution plant. They pass Moe off as Nicole's assistant and inform the plant operators that they intend on shooting a new stuff commercial inside the plant with the actual workers. I love this one dickhead worker who tells Moe, you shouldn't be taking pictures in here. And he snaps a picture of him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love we see the stuff getting put into the pints, and we see it, like, bubbling and farting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All this scene does is allow Mo to do some surveillance, but it still doesn't reveal the secret of what is the stuff, which is what they're really after here. And then all of a sudden, back at the jet, the mail clerk makes an appearance and apparently murders the pilot with the stuff and then floods the plane with the stuff and causes Jason to have to run away.
0: Yeah, Jason has to uh run away because he has nothing to do in the plot right now for the next 30
1: minutes. (laughs) Yeah, he makes it to the plant, but then he winds up getting locked in the empty tank of a tanker truck. How he manages this, I don't know. I mean it seemed like a terrible idea to climb in there to begin with. Right. I don't I really don't know what Jason's plan was, if anything. Right. Yeah. So Mo had told the pilot to take Jason to Savannah, Georgia, and he's under the impression that that must have occurred as he and Nicole rent a room for the night. And we get another fantastic commercial here with this old couple at a fancy restaurant and husband asks his wife how the food is. And she's like, where's the stuff? (laughs) (laughs) As to that question of where the stuff is, though, it's in bed with Mo and Nicole, Danny, as we see it emerge from a pillow and wrap around Moe's face in an attempt to kill him. <laughs> How'd the stuff get in a pillow? And they didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, there is a nice bit here, though, where Nicole sets the stuff on fire while it's still attached to Moe's face. Pretty good shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mo's just writhing around like, oh my god, my face is on fire. <laughs> Eventually, he manages to yank it off, though, and then this goon rushes in and attacks them, but Mo manages to judo flip him over the bed, when all of a sudden a tidal wave of the stuff explodes from the mattress and just creams this guy, Danny.
0: Oh yeah, and this is a great effect. I think they're rotating the set here. Yeah, great use of a rotating set. This guy's engulfed in the stuff, and then Mo decides to, uh put it on fire and so we just got this giant mass of the stuff in this hotel room with this dude and now it's on fire (laughs) so
1: really exciting scene here and mo quickly realizes this was a trap set for them so after he sets the room on fire and we see the burning stuff sloshing about mo and nicole steal that guy's truck and head back for the factory And once there, they discover the convoy of trucks leaving and they decide to follow them to their destination. And this is where the truth of the stuff is revealed, I guess. It's a living, parasitic organism, possibly of alien origin. We see there is no processing involved as the truckers simply siphon the stuff right out of the earth. And there's this giant bog of it in this quarry and... It bubbles oddly, almost as if there's individual entities of the stuff within the mass of goo. What did you think about this, Danny?
0: I mean, it isn't exactly a new revelation here. I think this is about what we all expected the stuff to be. Just some sort of alien thing that they're taking from the ground. I mean, we even see it in the first scene. But I do like this set. And yeah, the bubbling like separate entities in that big quarry of the stuff and i like too you can hear like this intercom that's like talking to the workers like they're in a cult like it is coming down in great mass tonight be grateful for its plentiful supply (laughs) (laughs) that's a neat little thing there yeah it's cool it's uh it is what it is
1: (laughs) either way mo dresses up in a trucker uniform And he sneaks into this quarry, setting up C4 as he makes his way down. And when he's down there, he hears Jason in one of the trucks. So, and Jason is dealing with the tanker filling with the stuff. So Mo decides to steal that truck and rescue Jason as he drives to where he told Nicole to go wait for them. And he blows up the quarry in the process and it buries this giant bog of the stuff under rock.
0: It's a new flavor. It's cookies and cream flavored stuff now.
1: (laughs) Oh, shit. Over where Nicole is, she winds up getting attacked by this mail clerk or assassin or whatever this character is supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) He just keeps showing up, you know, like, I guess he's just uh, on their trail. (laughs) He
0: was at the plane. Now he's here. He followed Nicole.
1: Yeah, she manages to fight him off by gouging at his eyes, and he falls to the ground just as Mo runs over his legs with the truck, obliterating him. And for some inexplicable reason, this guy's head gruesomely implodes, and I think it's safe (laughs) to assume that that was the end of this guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, again, it bursts open, but it's like a dry explosion.
1: (laughs) Very strange. (laughs) Very strange. So our heroes have a truck full of the stuff now, but Mo is unsure of where to take it. He has to avoid small towns because they could be completely taken over by people who have all consumed too much of the stuff. So out of nowhere, Mo decides to recruit this retired US Army colonel to assist him in defeating the stuff and its grip on America. And this shit just comes out of nowhere, Danny.
0: Yeah. Uh it's such a Boring turn for the film, too, in my opinion. And I don't think it even fits with tone or the message. There's no faster way to kill the momentum of a film than to introduce the military, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah. The only thing that makes it kind of work for me is seeing Paul Sorvino take on this role. It's the type of role that you don't often see him in. And while he's here, he does truly bring the ham and cheese. <laughs> yeah, he hams
0: it up, but I felt like the movie wasn't as hammy as they thought it was before this, and now it just feels like off-putting <laughs> to me. I don't know, I'm not a fan of this turd in the uh, last bit of the film.
1: Yeah, luckily we don't have to spend too much time with it, because we get this militia invasion of the distribution plant. Unfortunately, it isn't much of a fight because the soldiers discover the employees all dead, possibly by suicide. As it turns out, though, all of the employees were hosts of the stuff, and the stuff fled their bodies, killing them and leaving their hollow human husks behind. The colonel demonstrates this by smashing one of their faces in, and it just smashes and caves in like a porcelain doll. I really do like that sequence. (laughs) Nicole and Jason wind up fleeing this gruesome sight, but they wind up having to escape a massive stream of the fleeing stuff. And we get some good miniature work of the stuff breaking through walls and tall stacks erupting before it dries up. And there's not much else that can be done here. Yeah, I love when
0: it bursts through that wall and takes those two guys down with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like a blob movie for the briefest of moments here, right? So like I said, there's not much else that can be done. So the plan becomes informing the public of the dangers of the stuff by using the Colonel's privately owned public radio stations. Before they can get on the air, though, we get one of the better special effects sequences in the film when Chocolate Chip Charlie shows back up and he tries to help writing what they're going to say and he manages to get alone in a room with Nicole. And he grabs her and starts convulsing as his mouth stretches and opens wide. And the stuff begins to spew from Charlie's mouth. And right as Jason enters the room, Chocolate Chip Charlie's head just explodes and stuff is just filling this entire little room up. Yeah, great effects on Chocolate Chip Charlie's face.
0: I mean, if you search the stuff on Google Images, this scene is all you're going to see, really. (laughs) It's, uh... The pinnacle of the special effects in this
1: film. it's great, <laughs> definitely, good shit, although I'm not sure about all the holes in his mouth. <laughs> that's a little weird. Uh, yeah, he's got like sores in there, nasty. <laughs> oh, stop, just stop. Nicole and Jason find themselves trapped in this room full of stuff again, but Mo manages to smash the window and he shoots some cables that allowed him to electrocute the stuff. And it winds up catching on fire. So the day is saved. And after this final fright. They manage to get on the air. And issue the warning about the stuff to the American people. And it works Danny. We see mobs burning all the pints of the stuff. We get some more miniature work. As we see shops in the distribution center get blown up. And then Nicole tells her story. And apologizes to the American public. Lastly we find Mo back in Mr. Fletcher's office. He informs him that, despite what he's done, they'll be able to distribute the stuff again shortly, as it springs up in other places around the world. We then see he is now in league with the ice cream baron who hired Mo to begin with, and they intend to create a partnership and mix the stuff with dairy, cutting it down enough to keep it from possessing people, but remaining an addictive substance. They call it The Taste. And unhappy with what he's hearing and how unscathed and unapologetic these suits are, Mo draws a gun on them as he brings Jason into the room. And Jason sets a case of the stuff on the table, and the two of them force the men to eat all of the stuff in front of them while at gunpoint. And Jason and Mo leave as we hear police sirens approaching. And the last line we hear from Mo is Now are you eating it or is it eating you? We then see a black market deal going down as a man cuts open a case of The Stuff. Street name? The Shit. He takes a taste from a pint before looking at his accomplice and nodding in approval. And that's the end of our movie. So Danny, tell me, is enough ever enough with The Stuff? Oh, I think I got enough, I'll tell you that much. The Stuff is
0: an interesting movie. I really want to like it. I think the characters are almost there. The story of the stuff and the mystery behind it, I think is compelling, especially in the first half. You know, they had me going for a while, but this abrupt ending with the military, and I feel like nothing really gets resolved in the end. You've got some good special effects here and there. You've got some decent acting, but really the film feels like... A whole lot of pieces that don't really string together to make something whole. And it's unfortunate because I feel like the stuff could be better than the sum of its parts. I really do. But whether it be stuff getting cut or needing more time with the script, who knows? But it's a good watch. I think it's worth it to watch it at least once. And I could see people really enjoying this film and Enjoying it as a cult classic, but for me, it's not quite there.
1: Well said. It's not quite there for me either. It never has been. And it's actually a real shame because the themes are strong. You know, you have the theme of consumerism and the theme of the public's willingness to consume that which harms them, right? And that is still relevant to this day. But it's just not packaged as well as the stuff. <laughs> Maybe it needs to be the taste and it would be a little better. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's just there's too many misses <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. So we're on the same page, but
0: don't let that stop you from going out and watching the stuff.
1: Yeah, I still believe it belongs in any poor collector's collection. It's an oddity. It's not as enjoyable as most things, but there's enough creative gore scenes and special effects and social commentary that I think it's definitely still an important work. It just misses the target.
0: Yeah, there's plenty to get out of it, you know, but it just isn't the most spectacular movie, but there are bits and pieces of it that work pretty well.
1: With all that said, Danny, did you find a favorite kill in the stuff? Yeah,
0: I did. My favorite kill, I mean, come on, it's Chocolate Chip Charlie's death.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the highlights, for sure, if not the highlight of the movie.
0: Yeah. To me, this is the highlight of the film. I was waiting for this scene the whole time, because I looked up the stuff, and that was the first thing on Google Images. So I was like, "Oh, well, that's going to (laughs) happen. Once I saw Chocolate Chip Charlie, I was like, well, it's going to happen to this guy. And it's unfortunate that, you know, I felt him and Mo had such a good chemistry in that little sequence in that small town. And then Chocolate Chip Charlie just disappears for the rest of the film up until this point. But it was great to see him act a little more in this finale here. And come on, you got that special effect on Chocolate Chip Charlie's head. His mouth is just reaching inhuman. Amounts of openness <laughs> <laughs> and you see the nastiness inside of his mouth, and it's it looks like sores or holes or whatever the hell it is, and then finally his whole head just erupts, and then Nicole and Jason get attacked by the stuff, and it's a neat little horror sequence, and Mo saves the day, so yeah, it's one of the few sequences that feels like totally complete, even though it's kind of random here at the end. it's
1: still really enjoyable awesome good choice so sean favorite kill i myself am going with the male clerk assassin character (laughs) cool i think there's no denying that the chocolate chip charlie scene has the best special effects not that any of the effects hold up even today the chocolate chip charlie shit looks pretty bad but that's why I ended up choosing the Mail death, because it's just so bad that I can't not like it. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure why his head imploded. Maybe it was a prop failure, because I think an explosion makes a lot more sense, because the way I view it is, I like to think that when Mo runs over his legs, the stuff that fills his body shot upwards towards his head like a tub of toothpaste. and blew up
0: yeah it created a bubble from the pressure and it erupted
1: and then the way the head splits perfectly and it just caves in on itself it's so awful but glorious i guess you could call it gloriously awful so that's my favorite kill (laughs) right on all right man so how about a favorite scene
0: well my favorite scene i've got to go with Jason's creepy family trying to get him to eat the stuff. Cool. Was not expecting that, but great choice. Like I said, they come off so creepy in this scene, and it's nice to see Jason have something to do in this film. Showcases some ingenuity as he takes the stuff and flushes it down the toilet, and we do get that great shot of the stuff in the toilet trying to get out, and then it just gets flushed down. But he fills it with shaving cream. He's trying to outsmart his stuffy parents. It adds some much needed tension in the film as I think as an audience, we do kind of care about Jason because he is a kid and we want to see him succeed. And we know Mo is coming for him, but Mo isn't there yet. So we're like, come on, Jason, you got to get out of there. So I really enjoy this scene. It's creepy. It definitely feels like the most horror inspired scene in the film for me. So
1: that's why I like it. How about those vintage 3D glasses, too? (laughs) Good choice. I definitely agree that it's one of the better horror sequences in the movie. So great choice. Well, Sean, favorite scene in the stuff? Well, like a lot of Larry Cohen films, I come for the horror and wind up getting surreal social commentary and cult comedy instead. And while that isn't entirely a bad thing, the lack of horror does leave me wanting. A scene that doesn't leave me wanting in the horror department is when the soldiers infiltrate the distribution center and find all the workers dead. And these aren't just bodies laying here, but rather the husks of those who had been consumed by the stuff. It's a creepy little scene, and then we get a head implosion that actually is good. <laughs> There's also some fantastic expressions on some of the corpses' faces. But the best part is undoubtedly when the colonel slams the butt of his gun down into that head and it just caves in. And we even see this blast of red mist from dried up, dusty blood. And how about that line from Michael Moriarty when he's like, You think you can just shoot what you don't like? Well, what if what you don't like is inside you? When I was doing my notes, I was just flowing, and those were my thoughts on my favorite scene. But you know what? Fuck that. It's Jason's freakout in the supermarket. Let's wrap this up, (laughs) because I'm going to throw some yogurt right now. Yeah, well,
0: that's our thoughts on the stuff. Whether it be the shit or just shit is up to you. I think we lay somewhere in between, but tune in next week for some more horror From your favorite hosts at
1: Fraternity. Yes, indeed. We hope enough is never enough when it comes to fraternity. Have a great night. Thanks for listening and have a great night.